0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Imperfect Chick Podcast. It has been quite some time since I did a podcast episode and I think the reason for that is because I'm so excited for you all to have this conversation with the one and only Dr. John Conley. He is the founder of Rapid Resolution Therapy. And he has absolutely changed my life and so many others. And I am very confident today that he will change yours even in the slightest, if not biggest ways ever. Dr. Conley, we are very excited to have you today. Welcome.
1: Oh, it's so great to be with you, Alexis. I've been looking forward to it and now it's happening.
0: And it's happening. I'm so excited. So I typically for my podcast, don't write notes because it's called the Imperfect Chick Podcast. Um, A lot of the people that listen to uh, my podcast and are in my world would consider themselves perfectionists or have been perfectionists or people pleasers. And something we, something I have, maybe not speaking for everybody, but something I've done in the past is write out notes to be perfect as if that actually exists, but I've realized it doesn't and it keeps me so disconnected from my own creativity and my own um, my own jam, you know, so we're just gonna I have one specific question I want to ask you. And we're gonna see where that leads us. Does that sound good? I don't know. We'll have to see.
1: There we go. (laughs) Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, we got this. All right so john everybody says who's in your world and experienced rapid resolution therapy has said that it is magical there is a sense of magic to it in your own words in your own perception why do you believe people have that perception of rrt
1: well it certainly isn't because i think it's magical sure um, i i don't i think it's teachable and and when we review whether you'd be a good applicant for taking this training we have no tests to see if you can do any magic tricks it's Uh, true
0: i can attest to that
1: (laughs) so i i i'm i'm not thinking of it as magical i i find the term it's magical to be a wonderful compliment and i think when i hear that what i'm understanding is that individual just had a very significant breakthrough in a short period of time that they perhaps have wanted for many years mm-hmm. and done all kinds of things to get done, and then it happens um and wow, this is magical, yeah. but um in my world it's 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 something. It has to do with a perspective and a set of tools and skills that can be learned. And the thing that's um, a significant mission for me is to spread that so other folks are, 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 are doing this. There's, there's so many people out there that are suffering in all kinds of ways. And the mission is to end suffering. Mm. And when I feel that um, I, I need to narrow that to get anywhere, I would like to eliminate the suffering people experience as they go for help in order to not suffer. Mm.
0: Can you elaborate um, on that last piece just a little bit more sure. so people can understand
1: I, what exactly you remember? you take me back to where I was at a um, uh, uh, substance abuse treatment center and I was listening to this uh, counselor um, talking to one of the um, people who was a resident there and she very impatiently was saying to him, well, it's therapy. It's not supposed to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in fact, not only is it not supposed to be enjoyable in her world, it's supposed to be the opposite of enjoyable. And I think that doesn't come from meanness. I think it comes from a certain perspective. And I right. think that perspective, Alexis is that many people are currently suffering because they've repressed emotions from prior experiences. If that's the case, then what we would end up with is people going for what's called grief counseling Mm -hmm. and who are then encouraged to grieve in order to not grieve Um, and the, 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 the thing that you're realizing is, well, what's, what's so different about that? That's exactly what grief counseling is. They encourage people to grieve in order to be past the grieving um, uh, treatment for people who have experienced what they call PTSD, have what they call PTSD, because people don't think of it as something that people have experienced it. Therapists right. think of it as something that somebody has, um, and they're encouraged, if they have it, to finish experiencing the pain that got interrupted by life. What I mean is, so if this gal is getting raped, she, she isn't thinking about this as a time to make sure she's expressing her feelings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's preoccupied with things like not being dead. Exactly. Hence the way that the um, mental health industry approaches that I believe is therefore you couldn't really feel it. Mm-hmm. Hence you couldn't fully express it. Hence, you never actually released it. And therefore, in order to assist you, we have to provide you with what they term a safe place Mm. so that in this safe place, you can finally let go of what they think you've been holding on to by... Allowing yourself, I'm saying those words with emphasis because those are right. the words that I hear people thinking they're supposed to do. So you can allow yourself to feel your feelings because you need to feel it to heal it. Heal it. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many people that have approached me saying, Will you help me feel? my pain? Mm. And and I would say, uh, no. And why would you want me to? I mean, are you really coming to me in order to feel more pain? And, well, yes, because I have to feel the pain. Why? In order to not feel this pain. So, I, I mean, that's like just about taken for granted, I have to feel the pain in order to not feel the pain. Yeah. And hence the process of getting treatment to feel better should be expected to be a, a very unpleasant process. And an example of that, that that that's quite dramatic in my mind is what happens with combat veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, so these folks were you know, crawling in the mud with the bugs and the snakes and getting shot at and seeing their um, uh, their friends uh, blown up in front of them, they dealt with that. And there's a a troubling effect on their nervous system and their mind and their emotions. And they're told, okay, well, you know, we want to get you treatment. And those folks are saying, no, that's too disturbing. And if you put that in context, she was willing to crawl through the mud and the bugs and get shot at and 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 do all of that. Yeah, did that. Now we're saying go see a counselor, and she's saying, oh no, not that, I'm right? Not because that.
0: that... Because that uh, experience of having to, like you've been saying, relive that is sometimes even more traumatic than the event itself, right? I,
1: I think it can be. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to say this, but I'm losing the battle. Go I have had people come to me for years who experienced things like rape, um, mm-hmm. rape as children, all kinds of horror, um, including um, uh, all the battlefield horrors I was just referring to. And they said to me, well, I'm continuing to suffer because I was too cowardly to complete my therapy mm-hmm. because it was so, painful that I dropped out, and I said, well, I, did I hear you? You got raped. Yeah, and that uh, that had to be awful. Well, yeah, uh, but therapy, oh, that's been worse. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that therapy that she thinks going to therapy is worse than the worst moments of her life. And, and you hear that from combat veterans all the time. And you hear it from police officers and other first responders. I've done so many meetings with first responders that, that were so reluctant to go for treatment because they found, because it was just, they didn't want to suffer. Right. Well, um, so with the rapid resolution therapy process, one doesn't suffer in order to not suffer. One doesn't grieve in order to not grieve. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I met with a um, gal recently talking to me about um, situations that, that were, I mean, this, uh, the, awful stuff that she survived. Um, and it was, uh, processed and cleared. Um, there weren't any tears and there was a whole lot of laughter.
0: I was just going to say, tell us about the laughing and the and the joyous moments during these sessions when you're talking about really, really hard stuff.
1: Well, the laughter, um, like it, I, one of the um, uh, pieces of getting somebody better is to keep them present with me even while reviewing something that was terrible that mm-hmm. they've already survived being present with me um, you know um, makes people laugh I don't know people have been laughing at me for a long time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm getting laughing over with it, you. but that's right. why they're laughing. They're laughing because they're looking at me. But they're <laughs> present with me mm. which it, which which seems to at least be better than being shot at, raped, and beaten. Right. Um, and and hence, we are celebrating this beautiful connection where we are together because we're looking to promote healing and transformation in a way that is so much better for her and the whole world and engaging in what would make you better and the whole world better is, is a lovely thing. So people have fun.
0: That's amazing. So you mean to tell me that it's better for the world, for people who've been grieving for years, to be clear of that, rather than to continue grieving.
1: Yeah, don't you think? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're lovely, Alexis, but I have a feeling that it's more fun to be around you when you're in a good mood.
0: Hell yeah! And you're oh, not yeah! As
1: much fun when you're in a really bad mood. Mm. So if we do things that clear things for you, so you can experience the joyfulness of the moment, the joyfulness in connecting and discovering, then that's better for you, but it's better for me if I have to spend any time with you. And, Absolutely. And then it's better for all the people that are spending time with the people who had to spend time with you. Mm-hmm. And so it just continues to spread. So when I'm doing effective processing, clearing an individual. Yes. I'm inspired by, I know that's going to make a significant shift in that person, but also the whole world. Mm -hmm.
0: And when you put it like that, it's just like, oof, powerful stuff.
1: The, thank you so much, Alexis. So it's, The difference in perspective is if you believe that the reason he's suffering is because he has repressed rage that can then be cleared by the full experience and expression of it, then of course, the process of fully experiencing and expressing rage will be a painful one. Right. It makes sense from there. I don't agree that that is the effective way to do it. And I would say to your listeners, if you have had a relationship or had to uh, be with people who are spewing out rage, Hmm. does it seem that after they just scream and yell with lots of anger, that then finally that's out and it's not gonna happen again and they're just gonna be a lot of fun because they got rid of all that poison? Or does it seem like the people who seem to be flying into rages are likely to be flying into rages? meaning that the process of feeling rage is not the solution for feeling rage it 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 it's not gotten out i mean my goodness it's not pus yeah you know it's not not like like a a big pimple that you can just like Yeah, you got a thing yeah i mean we (laughs) We could just send all the people with grief and PTSD to this Dr. Pimple popper thing. Uh, 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 And that's what's going on. Right. That's what they think is happening. I've had that Mm -hmm. experience where I went to a doc and I'm not going to tell you the details (laughs) there, but I was thinking during it, I hope you guys figure out a different way to help somebody who comes in with a cyst on his butt And the way you just did it with me. And it's certainly not the way I want to model creating emotional transformation, cutting and squeezing, draining out pus. But that's what it feels to me is going on. Now there's something else that's going on. And the other thing that's going on is people uh, in uh, uh, therapy are often spending lots of time attempting to figure themselves out. Mm -hmm. Um, And the therapist joins in the process of figuring one out. And the brighter somebody is, the more likely they are to be um, uh, seduced by a process where we sit together and attempt to, figure out how the thing that's going on with your husband relates to what happened with your father and how, when you were needing his love, he was giving attention (laughs) to your brother. And that's why when your husband's touching your body, you want him to stop. and and it goes to all of this deep figuring.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm laughing because I I have been there.
1: Oh, you
0: yeah, too. Yeah, like I've had those experiences where I'm just like, and I've been in therapy, and while I I, I respect anybody that's had good like uh, effective progress in therapy, it didn't it didn't have the effect on me the way that RRT has because. Um, I constantly was like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. But then I was like, okay, but it's not getting any better. Like nothing is changing for me. I still feel like shit.
1: Well, I course. how could it? Because, right. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's right here. Attempting to figure yourself out isn't something you do when you're skiing down a hill feeling great. Mm-hmm. You don't? Know? Try figuring yourself out while you're um, scuba diving and having a wonderful time. And you probably don't spend a lot of time trying to figure yourself out while experiencing really great sex.
0: I was waiting for that one. Mic drop. That's my favorite one, John. Yeah, <laughs> I love you telling are. that one.
1: When so you true. Figure yourself out when you oh. feel badly like shit so hence i would say that the process of figuring yourself out is symptomatic of feeling bad Mm -hmm. nobody does it if they're feeling good a lot of people do it when they're feeling bad particularly intelligent people it's Mm -hmm. symptomatic of feeling bad if it's symptomatic of feeling bad how can it be on the road to the cure how could the cure be the symptom So they're prescribing the symptom, which is this obsessive thinking about oneself and what kind of things happened previously that um, didn't feel good, that relate to something happening currently that doesn't feel good. That's symptomatic of emotional disturbance, not the cure. Mm -hmm. So, those two things, figuring yourself out, bad idea. Um, uh, 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 Looking to um, feel the rest of the pain that you didn't get to feel while you were getting raped. Right. Bad idea. Letting the feeling out. Bad idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So, those aren't the solution. So what's the solution?
0: I was the just going to say, give is, it to him.
1: <laughs> I think the solution is to have an effect on that individual's mind that gets her to fully get it on every level that these terrible things that she went through are no longer in existence. Mm. And and that there is possibility for joy wonder and fun starting immediately yeah um fully getting it now if when you talk about um how um your father um used to favor your sister over you Mm -hmm. Do you feel badly? If so, it's still caught. Mm -hmm. The solution isn't to finally feel bad enough about it to stop feeling bad about it, but to completely shift the perspective so that it's no longer of even any interest. That's what Mm -hmm. we do. Another difference is, you know, people who are um seeing therapists are used to the therapist saying i'm here for you but certainly you understand that it's up to you Mm. to get better in fact i would ask your audience how many of you after seeing a professional for a period of time because you felt depressed or anxious or jealous or insecure or not worthwhile or shy or afraid of this or angry about that, how many of you, if you went to see somebody for that, which a lot of folks have, right? And then you continue to feel bad, which most folks have, how many of you then Uh, brought that to your therapist's attention and said, you know, I came to you for anxiety and I was noticing that I still have anxiety. Did the therapist... But I have a friend now. (laughs) Say it again, dear. I want to hear that.
0: I was going to say what I think happens is like, I still have anxiety, but at least I have a friend now that I'm paying money for, you know?
1: Oh, That's the experience I've had. Yeah. Um, But does that therapist then say Alexis I'm sorry you came to me for an issue with anxiety and you're telling me you experience continued anxiety I apologize apparently I didn't have the skill to get you better never I realize I didn't do my job for you Alexis how many of you have heard that from your therapist, how many of you have experienced the therapist apologizing and saying, I'm sorry, I didn't get you better. I lacked the skill. I bet not many. I bet what you heard instead is things like, well, you know, when therapists talk to each other about their failures, they don't think of them as their failures. They say she wasn't motivated. She wasn't Mm. ready to change. She was resistant. She was blocking our progress. She wasn't ready to let the pain go. And I am a really cool person and was encouraging her to do the needed work, the needed work. Um, But she wasn't willing to do it to me. That means that that therapist is blaming the individual that she failed for her own ineptitude.
0: Mm.
1: And there are people I haven't gotten better, Alexis. There are people who came in, really wanted to get better, and I did everything that I could, and I didn't get them better. And the reason I didn't get them better is because I wasn't skilled enough to do it.
0: Yeah. Can I share a story? Please. Because it's related to this. So I, as you know, I'm a school psychologist and I work with a lot of students and I've, I've had those moments and conversations with other people. Like this kid just doesn't want to do it right. Like they don't care enough. Um, Last year, right before I took your clinical hypnosis with RRT course um, and really got into your world and understood that like we get to take responsibility for it. I had a uh, in an in interaction with a student and they were experiencing a lot of anger that was leading them to to make choices around um just like sometimes pushing shoving other people and i remember him talking to sometimes. me
1: what whating other people
0: like pushing shoving hurting other kids
1: ah, okay go go go
0: so i remember in that moment being like i don't know how to help him and i said to him listen i'm going to be very honest with you at this moment i don't have the skills to help you with this specific situation, right? Like I've tried all the things and it, and it wasn't working. I, I definitely tried other things. Um, and I was like, but guess what? I'm actually gonna be doing this thing over the summer and I'm gonna be learning about all of these things. And one of the things I'm gonna be learning about is how to help deactivate anger, right? So I want you to know that right now, I don't know how to help you, but that's not because it's it's your fault. It's because I just don't have the skills yet. And then later on that day, Like also in that moment, that kid just completely shifted, like just was like, I don't know, something just completely shifted in his body where he could just take a deeper breath. And later on that day, I checked in with him. He had the biggest smile on his face and he was like, Alexis, I I made three new friends today. Now, I'm not saying that was absolutely the cause of it, but I do believe that had a high level of influence for him. Um. And sometimes just those words saying, like, hey, listen, this isn't on you. It's, it's my lack of skills has such a profound effect.
1: Uh, it's, it's so inspiring to hear you say that. I'm remembering um, a young fella that I worked with um, when I consulted at a treatment center for drug alcohol abuse. Um, and this guy was labeled an alcoholic. And, um, I, um, I did what I could based on what I knew when Mm -hmm. I met with him. Um, but I found out, um, although, I mean, well, we got along great. He told me it was useful. We had fun together. I just thought he was a magnificent kid and I was, so troubled uh, a year later to find out he had died and the way he died was he was in a situation where there was such incredible craving for alcohol that he felt and no accessibility to alcohol that he drank a full large bottle of listerine and dropped dead from it mm-hmm. as i think back on that beautiful young man, I recognize that he died because I didn't have the skill to shift that for him. And so I'm motivated by that experience to continue acquiring more skill, which I have. And then teaching those skills so that others have. But others who also were treating him, hearing about his death, and what a horrible way to die, drinking help. Mm. um, Yeah. For me, I wasn't ready to provide effective help. And Mm. I would rather have that outlook than the other, because I can do something with that. I can move forward. I can acquire still more skill and be even more motivated to really make a difference so that others can live. Um, yes. And uh, I just think it puts me in a position of much more power when I feel that it's up to me than if I feel that it's not up to me. I have Mm -hmm. more power, I have more responsibility, and I like the responsibility because I like the power.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you that I, um, thankfully, in my experience with somebody I love who was struggling with substance use, um, was able to get clean, despite having somebody like you in his life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, uh, if I, I just think about him and, and know for a fact that nobody took that responsibility on. And this, like, I don't know, it's just so profound to hear you say that. And I just wanted to say thank you for, for having the power to figure out what is most useful for yourself and others that you work with.
1: Alexis, people really want to feel better Absolutely. So the whole notion um, you came to me and told me you wanted to feel better and paid me, but you didn't feel better because you didn't really want to feel better. I mean, if we put that out, on what level does that make sense? None. Mm-hmm. Of course people want to feel better. Mm -hmm. And if they don't feel better, after I'm looking to get them to feel better, it doesn't mean they didn't want to feel better. It means that I didn't have the skill to cause that. Or somebody might say, well, he wasn't motivated. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that would mean that we didn't have the skill to motivate him yeah he didn't care ah so we need to figure out how to cause the caring that would lead to the motivation that could cause the transformation not not look at people like they're supposed to come prepackaged with this stuff yeah it's my job my job to 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 address whatever is there in front of me and do everything that I know how to do to make a difference. And if I can't, then I think I'm obligated to say, I'm sorry, I didn't have the skill to make a difference for you. I don't have the key for every lock. Right. And I'm going to reach out because I'm in a better position than you I'm going to reach out and find somebody I think can do a better job for you and connect you with that person so that's on me to do mm-hmm. that for you i i i, I mean what a, a what a different way than blaming the individual that we weren't able to um, assist with things. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that happens when people um, see a mental health professional is that they get diagnosed. Um, The diagnosis is to process their health insurance. It's Mm. medical insurance, really, not health insurance. It doesn't pay you for being healthy. It pays if you're sick.
0: Amen.
1: And so the economics of the mental health and the substance abuse industry is based on the need to see the person seeking assistance as sick, sick. Um, And so they um, uh, would begin with a diagnosis, which might say, well, you are a this, Mm -hmm. and you've got some of that. Mm -hmm. And that's you. Because that's what we're labeling you. You are a borderline. You are um, um,
0: an addict.
1: You are that. Um, Although when it comes to being narcissistic, uh, not too many people are getting uh, diagnosed as narcissists by their therapists, but they certainly are getting diagnosed as narcissists by their lovers. (laughs) So all of a sudden, it seems like a whole flock of women are out there doing really amazing diagnostic assessments. Throw
0: it out like candy,
1: right? (laughs) I I, I mean, how many lovely women have you met who um, haven't been dating narcissists? Right. Um, It seems like they're, Few and far between, um, but I mean, I'm not sure what, what, what whether telling somebody that they're sick is the best way to get them better, but it is the best way to get um, paid. Mm. Yep. I'm I'm afraid that that that's. Um, that's the case. Um, there's um, it's just just all over. But so how can we get people better? We um, the um, I take responsibility for causing you to get better, and I believe that the thing that's been causing the emotional turmoil or the stuckness you've been experiencing has been going on within your mind, primarily the facet of your mind that's unconscious that you're not identifying with. And so, it, so my job is to learn how to have an effect, learn how to influence that component of mind so that things work differently. So if the issue is that he doesn't uh, study and so he gets bad grades and then he has self-esteem issues um, then it would become my job to cause him to be interested in the material so that he's drawn to learn it and enjoys the process of learning and enjoys understanding.
0: Mm.
1: Doesn't that exist? Have you ever found that you picked up a book because you were interested in learning about what it was about or took a class because you were interested? So if somebody Mm -hmm. isn't interested, then... It's my job to cause them to be interested, yeah. um, And 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 we know how to do this because we know how to shift things within the mind. A few a few areas where we find people stuck. If I could, Alexis, people mm-hmm. come in who um, who are stuck, um, and when they tell me they're stuck. They might say, I wish I could, I I haven't been able to, I want to, but I can't. I need to be mm-hmm. able to, whatever. Or, or 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 somebody's likely to say, I'm what happens with me is although I'm really lonely, when I see somebody who is attractive to me, I just shut down and hide. I mean, if I meet somebody and I think, oh my goodness, she's pretty, then I just move away from her and certainly wouldn't engage in any kind of conversation. So I'll just leave, be alone, and hate myself. That's me. Mm -hmm. As somebody's doing that and describing it in that way, I'm hearing that. This fella is describing his past, isn't he? I mean, he can't be describing next month. No. So he must be describing last month. He's describing his past. However, he's describing his past in future tense. Therefore, his thoughts about what has been become the map on what will be. Yeah. Then he also I love does it that. by saying, "And the reason that I don't go up and start a conversation is because I am an introvert, and I'm a person who keeps to himself, and I, I'm not somebody who can engage with others." Now he's first started describing the. Past as the future. Now he's describing the issue as if it's something about him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If it's something about him, then how does he do something else? It's not what he's doing, it's who he is. Um, so I hear those. I'll also hear people who are stuck. Um, well, usually tell me a lot about what they don't want. I don't Mm -hmm. want to feel anxious. I don't want to be awake all night. I don't want to keep hating my brother because of my mother. I don't want this. I don't want that. It's another stuckness because mine doesn't understand um, those words. A lot of the problem is people are stuck because the thing they call self And the thing they call I, like, I know I need to discipline myself. Mm -hmm. Those different facets of mind understand the world so differently. Don't know what to make of each other. Our minds are incredibly complicated. They didn't come with an owner's manual. (laughs) Um, No, they didn't. So when somebody comes in, you know, I have that manual. And I know it's my job. So I do the fix. I don't tell her to fix her own self.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I do the fix because I've figured out how to do it and teach people how to do it. If people are interested in what that's like, by the way, every, I, I do an open group that's free on a regular basis. It's called Solutions. It goes at 7 p.m. Eastern time every week. And a whole bunches of people show up, raise their hands, and ask that, and they address an issue, a problem. And I do my best to create a solution. That's why we Mm -hmm. call it solutions. And that gives folks who are interested a chance to um, uh, see this thing. Because I know your listeners are bright people, but... I don't think what I'm talking about probably makes a whole lot of sense because I can kind of talk about it. Mm -hmm. If you never saw a monkey and you just meet with people who talk about what monkeys are like, it's not a good way to understand what a monkey is like. It would be better to see one. And I Uh think it's better to understand what we're doing by actually watching it. And everybody can do that absolutely free. And some people just do that week after week and that's what they do to get better. They never see us privately. They just keep attending groups and getting assisted there. And we get amazing letters from people talking about how their lives have changed sometimes because they address something frequently because they just sat in the background and listened. Yeah. And something shifted. So, solutions, and you can get into that by just going to the website, rapidresolutiontherapy.com, and sign up. It's free. While you're there, um, bring the free resources home. We have a recording that is for immune enhancement and healing um, that seems to be really powerful and getting people better and getting them to not get sick. Mm. Um, um, so we're really looking to um, make the world a, uh, a friendlier, funner place. Um, and, there's certainly a lot of work to do there.
0: Sure is. But the piece that I just want to speak on is when you mentioned how talking about it is is one way to understand it and you really don't get it until you watch it happen or until you experience it yourself. I remember well, I think I have listened to every single podcast you have put yourself on, John. Oh, because I was like I know it was the greatest time oh, I ever my spent. Goodness. No, no, no apologies necessary. But I remember just being like listening to each one and being like, okay, this is an an extra nugget I got, but like, I still don't get it. Like because I've been so used to such cognitive work where it's like, oh, here is a process that you, that you do for every single situation. I was like waiting for that one thing for you to be like, okay, here's how you do it. But it doesn't exist because it, there's so much more to it. There's so much nuance. There's so much creativity it's absolutely an experience. And any of my listeners listening, please come join the Monday Night Solution Calls because they are the best way to spend your Mondays, especially if there's something that you would like to get cleared.
1: Um, well, so I just oh, wanted to put you. that up. You're, you're, you're in such a love to say that. There are a couple of books um, that I've written that we kept the price really low on because we want you to have them and benefit. One is called Life-Changing Conversations. And this is a book designed to show that people's lives can profoundly change in one meeting having one conversation. The first chapter of that is about um, this young lady who saw me because she was experiencing so many seizures every day. That she was wearing a helmet uh, all the time inside, so she wouldn't smash her head open. And uh, if she went out, it would be uh, usually with a with with a wheelchair. Sometimes with a three parang cane. Many seizures every day, um, and. Um, she, um we, we had that meeting, and she never again had a seizure. And mm. she's become a profound healer, did an amazing TED Talk. Um, and um, that's the first chapter of that book, Life-Changing Conversations. The book shows word for word what happened that changed people's lives. The other book is called Grief is Not Sacred, which is um, sort of an edgy title because most people certainly think grief is sacred. What I noticed there is every book I was reading on grief was saying that you really have a right to feel badly. And I thought, well, not in my world you don't.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Not if I can get you feeling good. I I I'd like to get you feeling good. And uh, And it's crazy and
0: because a lot of people have a problem with you saying that because they're not used to it, which is I mean I get it, but it's very
1: I, radical. I mean I've had people I've had people like ready to assault me just based on the title. Mm-hmm i mean it just introduced to a group of people and he wrote that book and i could see people like seething um i remember going to the restroom uh, during a speaking engagement and these gals ran over when i came back and said are you okay and i said yeah i went to the bathroom um but you're all right. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I've done this before. I have it kind of sculpt, I, you know, peeing and stuff. I, I don't have to do that. <laughs> and, and I was told, yeah, but we saw people walk out when you walked out. Yeah. Well, we, we thought you'd be assaulted. There's so much rage.
0: You have such a gift.
1: For from my people off.
0: Yeah. But also not from what I see, like it is something that I am so inspired by you by because it's, I, I, I it, and I know my listeners are literally listening right now. Like, how are you able to do that? Right? Like you have such a gift of pissing people off and not giving a fuck about it. And I am just so inspired by that. Um, because what you're doing is making sure that you're ending suffering. And of course that's going to upset people, but You still keep moving forward, and it's amazing to see. It
1: affects people because if you can end suffering, then people think it's their fault they're suffering. Mm. Because we can end suffering doesn't mean it's your fault that you're suffering. It means that you haven't been with somebody who knows how to end it. How could you end it if you're the one who's feeling it? Yeah, that's Um, such a good point. Which is why the whole some of the self-help stuff, well, it's 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 better than the alternative sometimes, but um, but it, but the whole notion I'm going to spend time now working on myself. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to be while you're doing the work on yourself, and where is she going to be hanging out while it's happening? And <laughs> it's kind of like you know, um, I, I'll tell you when I get done with you tonight, I'm going to go in and give myself a good back rub. <laughs> uh, right. So people are being encouraged to see therapists so they have somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Even these large uh, groups now promoting um, uh, therapy are primarily saying everybody needs somebody to talk to. Um, I, I found a place where, um, um, I mean, I go and pay to get talked to. I should admit it. I have somebody yep. I go to and I pay her and she talks to me and I feel better when she's done. And she always throws in a free haircut. Other people seem to think they're paying for the haircut, but I'd rather go in there and think I'm just paying
0: for a right. kind
1: company. Uh, yeah. So I'm doing rent-a-friend business right there, <laughs> getting the haircut at the same time.
0: You're saving a lot more money than most people who go to therapy.
1: To say, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Well, goodness, I, I I had such an incredibly fun time hanging out with well. you. You're you're just so lovely, and and it's amazing that you're out there making such a difference with the people who uh, are lucky enough to have found you.
0: It has been an absolute honor. I am so like giddy excited for the people in my world to be introduced to you even more. I've been talking a lot about you, but to really get to hear your voice and hear all of your experiences and everything about RRT, I'm so excited for that. Um, so thank you so much, John. This is visual
1: and too, isn't it, There, People can it see it i was a little concerned because I'm really handsome on the radio.
0: (laughs) I have a a secret to tell you, John. Is that okay?
1: Tell me. Tell me. Secret.
0: Okay. So I literally love you so much. And I think I was telling this to my sister the other day. I was like, there's something about Dr. Conley that reminds me of my dad. You remind me of my dad. Like your sarcasm. It's just, it's top notch. And I just feel so... I don't know. It's just been a great time. And I wanted to share that secret with you, John.
1: (laughs) It's a lovely thing. I'm so honored.
0: Good. Well, thank you. And if you're open to it, I would love to have you on again for more specific things that listeners...
1: I want to be the guy you call every time somebody cancels.
0: You got it, John. You you got it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And to all of my listeners, thank you so much for being here. And I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.